Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. And now, join Kevin Hart as he dives into the minds of some of the world's funniest comedians. This is Comedy Goldmines with Kevin Hart. Welcome. Welcome, world, to an all-new episode of Comedy Goldmines, where we do what? Well, where we get into the minds of brilliant comedians. And oh my God, what amazing minds they are. Not just comedians, people that embrace funny. That's what this world is about. It's a world of understanding, a world of great dialogue. And today... Today I'm excited because we got more, man. Listen, when it comes to comedy, I can just say the world of comedy. I feel like this man needs no introduction, but nonetheless, I got to give him one. I got to, because that's my job. I'm the host. I consider this man a comic legend. Give him his flowers while we can. That's another thing that I stand on. I mean that. Uh, He's been in the game since the 90s, from hosting BET Comic View, killing the stage on Def Comedy Jam, having roles in various films. I mean, you got The Wash, you got Larry the Cable Guy, you got Who's Your Caddy. One of my favorites, man. Thinking like a man, of course. Why is that one of my favorites? Well, because that was my goddamn movie. Ladies and gentlemen, it's an honor to introduce the legend, the myth, the man himself. Mr. Bruce. Bruce, what's going on, Bruce? Hey, what's cracking, Kevin? How you doing, brother? Oh, man, I'm good. Excited now that I'm talking to you. It's been a long time, man. It's been a long time, man, but it's been good. The ride has been very well. The ride has been well. Bruce, uh, for our listeners that may or may not know, man, I just want to say that you have been in the game of comedy uh, for quite some time. You have opened the doors for so many. You are you are a comics comic. You're one of those comedians that, that comics love, that comics, comics can sit and talk about and go remember the time. Or I remember when I came through Bruce Bruce's spot, oh, my God, in ATL at one point. Man, if you were a comedian, there was no way that you did anything in comedy that Bruce Bruce wasn't aware of because he's a guy that you had to go through because he was just that impactful. He was a guy that you just wanted to goddamn be in business with. <laughs> Bruce, how long have you been in the comedy game? Uh, going on about 34 years, man. 34 years. 34 years. God damn. That's a long time, Bruce. It is. Telling man. jokes. Um, always making money? How long, how long was it before you started to make money? Oh, man, I started making money about four years after, five years after. I started getting a little money, man. And I started saying, hey, this is where I need to be, baby. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is, what were you doing before you made the decision to go into comedy? Some of the things, you know, you know, people don't realize a lot of things I used to do. I used to be a chef. I used to cook. I'm a very good cook. Um, and um, I stopped doing that and started working for Frito-Lay Potato Chip. You know, I used to sell a bag and eat three bags. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I was coming up short every month, and I said, somebody is stealing from me. And I've been damn if I wasn't stealing from myself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, um, always been funny. always been telling jokes. always just been that funny guy. And I decided to just make it happen after my first marriage, when my first wife said, you'd never make it. And I looked at it and said, hey, I'll see you on TV. 
Oh my God. Were you, were you, was there a push that came from somebody else or was the, the start, was it self-induced? Like, did you, did you figure it out? It was a push. You know, when I was cooking, I hired this guy and I was, I was a young manager, 18, 19 years old. I was a young manager, man. I hired this guy and he, he just kept watching me and watching me. And then he, after about a month later, he started telling me, he said, I used to be a comedian years ago. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. So he brought me this album, you know, back in the day, you know, albums. And and uh, he was a duet with a guy. His name was Reverend Mew. Another guy named was Dr. Arrowhead. They old school. It's called Reverend Mew, Dr. Arrowhead. And then he looked at me and told me, he said, you need to get out this work and go on stage. He said, I'm telling you. He said, don't waste your life like I did. You're funny. You need to go on stage. And he was the one that really pushed me. But no, I'm doing a good thing. Got to take care of my family. You know what I'm saying? So I quit. Got a job at Frito-Lay. Started eating eight potato chips. And then I realized, hey, it's time to stop driving this truck, man. And God bless his soul. He's passed away now, but he he stayed on me. Even when I went with Frito-Lay, he stayed on me and said, you need to go on stage. And that's what I did, man. It's dope as hell. It's dope as hell. There's somebody else embracing your talent that you may or not have seen for yourself. I think that's always the benefit of, uh, you know, our surrounding circle. The people that we have around us, the people that you know, uh, we're privy to be around and we can give this this energy of funny too. It's dope as hell when you get that enthusiasm from and, the outside. And you got to understand something, man. I was scared. And, and people got to realize things about life. Everything is going to be scary. It's a mm-hmm. good scary and it's a bad scary. You know what I'm saying? So being scared is nothing. It's, it's a natural thing. But the only way you're going to know unless you try it. Unless you tried it, you tried it. You tried it. You fell in love with it. When did you know? When 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 was it that you knew that you said, you know what, fuck it? Like we were we were talking in the beginning. You said, oh my god, like this is it for me. You said four or five years in, this is where it's at. This is the good place. What was the defining moment where you said, I can do this for the rest of my life. I can support myself off of the foundation of funny for the rest of my life. What was that moment? Hey man, it was the best moment in the world when I was working at Frito Lay, working sixty-five to seventy-five hours a week. And then going to the comedy club, making three or $400 for 15 minutes each night, mm. I had to weigh my options. I said, hey, man, I can do this for the rest of my life. 75 hours a week or 15 minutes a day. You know what I'm you saying? It. So that I fast. The, ma- the math made sense. Absolutely. And then my mother said something to me, because, you know, black people, we always get stuck on these good jobs. Oh, you got a good job. You know, I'm so sick of the good job thing. My mother said, if you quit your job, you can always get another job. You're not mm. a dummy. Mm. So that made sense to me. So I quit. Mm. And I've been rising ever since. You know, it's funny that that quitting moment is, uh, it, it's a, you know, I, I got to say, it's, it's, it's not that it's scary. It's the, it's the first big step uh, right. of many, right? right? You know, right. And, and as comics, it's the biggest hurdle that we have to get over because, you know, you're, you're going into a space where the revenue is unknown, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't know how consistent, you don't know how often all you're doing is going off of one payment. You're going off of one payment that you received. You're talking about a $300 show that you got for 15 minutes. You're going off of that and you're banking that all my shows will be like this and, and, and that there will be a plethora of these shows. But, you know, unbeknownst to us, that's not how it is. That's not how it goes. It's very inconsistent in the beginning. And, and, and it's a relationship business. Um, how did you become the guy that was attached to a relationship that had to be had? Because in Atlanta, you you had rooms, right? I, I had rooms, man. I I had one, I had several rooms, but the main room was Club 559. 559. And 559, yeah, Club 559. And I was just like the big brother, you know what I'm saying, of 
helping the comedians, all the ones who was really afraid to go up. I kept them encouraged. I said, no, you can do it. Go up there and do it. So I just always grabbed them up on my wing, man, and just made it happen for me. Like, like uh, Mike Epps was one of the ones that came to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And um, he uh, asked me to help him out. I like, no problem, because that's what I do. And um, he, uh, he, uh, he told me, he called me from New York and said, man, they want me to audition for Fridays. I'm like, really? I said, so what you waiting on? You know what I'm saying? And he, he went in audition. He called back about a week later. He said, guess what? I said, you got the part. He nice. said, yeah, yeah. I said, yeah. I said, he was looking for somebody like you. You know, but I, I'm like the big brother. He'll tell you that. And, and man, the cool thing about it, man, is just watching them grow and just watching them just do their thing and be funny and just get rich and take mm -hmm. care of families. You know what I'm saying? That's mm -hmm. what it's all about. It's about taking care of your families, man, and 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 making a good life for you and your families and your kids' kids, man. You know what I mean? How how did you come up with the idea to start the the five five nine though? Was it was it because of the comedy club shortage in Atlanta or exactly the comedy act theater was created in uh, Los Angeles, California. Mm -hmm. Michael Williams was the creator. He moved to Atlanta. And he stayed in Atlanta like eight years and then they ended up closing the club. Mm -hmm. And when he closed the club, I started a room and it was called Harlem Nights. And Harlem Nights got really, really good, really, really big. And the owner's like, we need a bigger spot. What was the numbers? How many, how many people do you think was coming at Harlem Nights at the time? Um, about 400 on a Tuesday night. Damn. 400 on a Tuesday night. So it got so big, we moved it into, that's when we made Club 559. So 559 had 500 people in that every Tuesday night. We had every pimp, every hustler, every stripper, every, you know, everybody now just having fun. It was just that night to be on a Tuesday night. And um, I got in real good with the radio stations in Atlanta, V103 with Greg Street, who really, really helped me do my thing. So it was, it was really, really uh, very good for me, man. Listen, that was that was the business that, that a lot of us, and by us I'm talking about Black comedians, um, you know, we, we had to kind of create, right? And it's not that I, I had, I think I had one room, um, in my coming up and that was in Atlantic city, the room called sweet cheeks, but the mm -hmm. business that we all had to embrace was the one of creating the comedy environment that could work outside of the existing comedy world because the comedy clubs weren't exactly opening up the doors for us. Um, you know, as we felt they should, the, right. the spots, the opportunities were very far few and in between. And you're talking about a specific night, which was something that, you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of the comedians of culture, uh, of our culture can share. Like we, out of seven nights a week, you literally had one night that one was night. dedicated to your quote unquote black comedians. It was black night. Exactly. Yes, it, it was. It was basically your black night for lack for lack of a better word. You know, we we're gonna go. We're gonna fucking. We're gonna have one black night, and black night should bring us said amount of people. And and from black night, if we do this every week, you know, basically your balance sheet is correct. Because like you said, you're bringing in this, this, these droves of people on this one night, but the opportunity for the rest of those six days, it wasn't, it wasn't one that was given. So I definitely understand why you made the move. Um, how long, how many years did you do 559? Oh my God. Maybe about, um, about at least eight years. Eight years. It was eight or nine years, eight or nine years, man. And you know, every comic club, you know, from, from being in the business, every comic club had that black night. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because mainly the comedy clubs were mainstream. Um, you couldn't say certain things. You had to dress a certain way and you had to be a certain comedian. And I just, I was just a comedian. You know, I didn't care if you're black, white, Latino, I'm gonna bring the noise. And, um, but 
I just created a night for everybody. Did you ever try, Bruce, to go to that mainstream circuit? Did you ever try to to hop into that space? Of course I did. Yeah. Uh, one time, um, um, what's his name? Um, the gentleman that played in, um, I, I stood in for him, in Braille, California, uh, Louis Anderson. Okay. And I mean, it was it was a night at the Braille Comedy Club. He sold it out. It was like 400 seats. And it was a completely mainstream audience. Mm-hmm. And they say, Louis couldn't make it. And they got this gentleman named Bruce Bruce. And like, well, okay, let's get it. And I, I ripped it. I did well. I didn't do black comedy. I didn't do white comedy. I did comedy. You did comedy? Yeah, I did comedy. Yeah. And what was yeah. funny. And right then, that was a very big crossover for me. And people know who I was. But um, it was a great room. Louis had a great crowd. And he called and gave me thumbs up for stepping in for him. And, and it was really cool, man. Mm-hmm. Now at five five nine, just give me some of the names, right? Give me some of the names of the comics that you know that that you you bless with the opportunity to come into your space, performing and getting down. Give me give me give me some of the names. Oh man, I'm gonna tell you, everybody been through that, Kevin, from Chris Tucker to mm-hmm. to to Mike Epps to Ricky Smiley to uh, Talent from New York. Um, I mean, a lot of people came through there uh, and ripped it. JB School mm-hmm. come through there and destroyed the place because <laughs> they didn't really know who JB was, but they knew who he was after he left. Oh because JB is so animated and 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 when he say something, he acted out. Mm-hmm. And, and you dealing with all the hustlers in Atlanta, they go, oh, this is a fool right here. JB ripped it, man. JB Smooth, uh, Rudy Ray Moore, uh, rest in peace, have been through that. My main man, Ronaldo Ray, rest in peace, been through that. I'm, I mean, I'm talking about superstars. I'm talking about legends who opened the door for us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even rest in peace, Mr. Paul Mooney came through. Mm. Paul Mooney came through, and uh, it was just good. It was the place to be. It was the place to hang. It was the only. It was the only club in Atlanta that opened five nights a week and five nights a week, it was packed. We did comedy on Tuesday and the rest of the night was club night and it was packed. I, I love I love that you, it's it's cemented in history, right? You know, I, I the, the main reason for me doing this podcast, A, of course, is because of my love of the craft, but B, to really just get to educate the world on, on how huge, how huge the world of comedy is and how many doors are attached to this space of comedy. And, you know, for, for my listeners, guys, when we're talking about Atlanta, Georgia, and you're talking about 559, there's so many stories attached to this place that, that so many of your, of, of a lot of your biggest names in comedy, especially when you talk about black comedy, all share. Like, you know, there, there, was, there was slogans. What was your slogan? What, what did they say? It was something to duck. What, what was the slogan that was attached uh, uh, to, to comics? If the comics didn't do good, if they, if, they, if they weren't funny, they didn't do good. What was the crowd's thing? What was the, what was the slogan? Oh, my goodness. We had several slogans. One of them was, uh, um, I know one, we dropped the knees on them. We had this thing where we dropped the knees on them, or we'll bounce on them, the bank head bounce on them. And uh, I'll move, bitch, get out the way. <laughs> move, bitch, get out the way. They knew that was coming. When they heard that, they know to get off stage, man. And I have seen comedians come through that and rip that place apart. Mm-hmm. And I have seen comedians come through that and die a great death. You know what I mean? <laughs> the ones who really thought that they was like, oh, I got this. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to do this. And then they leave off stage and they're like, should I get a job again? Or should I need to do comedy? <laughs> Uh, should I just kill myself? Anything could happen right now, but the room, it make you or break you. That's the kind of room it was. You know, I know, I know you remember peppermints in Jersey. Yes. Yes. It was, it was, it was like peppermints, but three times higher. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. it was like three times worse than Peppermint. And I have had comedians from New York and Jersey to come through. Oh, I did Peppermint. I said, no, listen to me. I'm, I'm ready to tell you how to approach the room and I can tell you how to make it happen for you. Oh, no, I got this. I got this. And they died a great death. No, the, the stories, the, <laughs> the, the stories are epic, man. They're, they're epic yeah. attached to the room. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Now let's, let's make the crossover now. I mean, now, you know, 559 is an amazing place. Like we said, we've, right. we've talked about the history of it. But then after that, Bruce Bruce, you make, this, you make this change. And now Bruce Bruce, you know, we're talking about a household name. We're talking about Bruce Bruce getting the role of Comic View and, and hosting Comic View. How did that come about? And they called me, man, you know, and I knew when I was hosting 559, I was preparing myself to host a TV show. I didn't know it was going to be BET. I didn't know if it was going to be Def Jam. I didn't know it was going to be a comedy show. But I was preparing myself mentally to get ready to start hosting a comedy show because that's what I wanted to do. And he just called me at BET and said, we want you to host BET. I said, you got it. I mean, I, it wasn't even a second. I didn't, we didn't talk money or nothing. And man, and man, it went very, very well for me. That that um, that year that I host BET Comic View, then I host BET Coming to the Stage. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, I know Mark Curry was the host before me on that and then after that. But the BET Coming View, the year that I host, it had more viewers than they ever had that year. Wow. Huge. And that changed, that also changed your role life. Oh, my It opened goodness. up the opportunity for your touring to go through the roof because that's when Bruce Bruce, you know, it wasn't just the comedy clubs, it was the theaters. And then after that, you started to package yourself. Now you're part of these, these massive tours, man, that are going on. Uh, you guys did so many. When I tell you some of the most dopest and creative packages that I even had the opportunity of, of being on some of them and opening up uh, for you guys. Um, I remember there was like you, there was talent, there was uh, John Witherspoon. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, Ricky Smiley, the names, the names and the, the, the numbers that you guys pulled uh, while doing these tours is it was unreal to me. And it, it kind of acted as the, the motivation, inspiration to understand that people will come out to laugh. People love to laugh. There's a significant following attached to comedy, and this is an example of it. When you were in those touring days and you guys were going from city to city, just talk to me about that experience for you. You know, going from 559, going to Comic View. Now you're in theaters. Now you're in arenas. You know, what's the mindset of Bruce Bruce at the time? Well, you know, I'm going to tell you, it's a difference between comedy clubs and theaters. Mm -hmm. Comedy club is like a workout. It's almost like you're a boxer and you're working out and you, you stand on your game, you're jumping rope, you know, you're doing push-ups, you're doing sit-ups because they keep you on your toes. Then when you go to the theaters, you just, you're ready to knock them out. You're ready to do mm. a knockout. The theaters just, 
the comedy club keep you in shape. It keep you, it's intimate. You know, it's people close up on you and you can really work on a lot of material. But when you do hit the theaters, you knock them for a loop because you are you already worked out, you ready for it, you know? And if I can do a theater every weekend, I would do it. Mm. I would love to do a theater every week. Mm -hmm. and, um, but I do work a lot. I work a lot because I enjoy working a lot. I enjoy traveling. I enjoy being on the road. But um, the theater thing, oh my God, it's the best thing. And you got, let's just say you got 10,000 people out in the audience. And as soon as you come out, they just give you this applause like you never had before in your life because they came to see you and because they enjoy what you do and they enjoy how you do it. And then you go out, because I've been to different theaters and go out and go like, shit. You know, just <laughs> on stage, you know, shit. Ah, ah, this is the funniest motherfucker in the world. I didn't say nothing but shit, you know. Yeah. And then you just go into your act and then you do your thing. And that it's probably the best feeling I've had in my life besides getting a divorce from my first wife, which was <laughs> <laughs> She said, I'm going to leave you. I said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I did not believe it. <laughs> how, many, how many kids you got, Bruce? I got three kids, two boys and a girl. How old now? My oldest son is 40. He'll be 41 this year. My baby boy is 37 and my daughter is 35. Oh my God, Bruce! Yeah, man. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. God damn, man. Yeah, but I was laying it down. I was laying it down, man. I mean, you'd have been proud of me. You know what I'm you saying? Say, you say you say you were you were something to remember. Kevin. Oh, well, let me tell you. When I put the hump in my back, when I got through the hump was in her back. You understand? What I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I had to go back and hit it again to get my hump back. You know what I'm mean? saying? <laughs> I love it, man. 41, 41, 30 plus, 30 plus, three kids. Yeah. Um, now, now, when looking back, right, when you go and you look back at the road that you've been on, um, was, was being present or not present ever a thing? Do you feel like, uh, you know, there's times where you wish that you were around, that you weren't around? Like, you know, because we're road warriors. We're on the road a lot. So now that your kids are of age, do they, do they say anything about that? Or no, about no, no, because I've always been in their lives. Even through mm -hmm. my divorce, I was right there with my kids. Um, I grew up. My father left when I was five. I found him when I was 40, uh, which he's, he's passed away now. But um, I'm, I'm the only child my mother and father ever had. I'm the mm. only child. And, and my kids was like my brother and sister. We grew up together. We, we still today, my daughter's married, three kids. My oldest son is married, seven kids. Holy uh, shit. Uh, yeah, my baby boy is engaged now. But the thing is, they're my homies. I mean, we have a great understanding. One thing my uncle told me when I was a kid, he said, no matter what they go through, no matter what she say and what she do, it's your job to take care of your kids. Mm -hmm. So, And I did that. So I've always stayed in their life. And then whenever they need something, they call me, hey, Pops, I need to talk to you. Let's talk. So we have always had that understanding. I never had that, you never come see me. I never see you anymore. None of that. I was always there. They call, I answer on the first ring, ring, hello. What would you had? I was in the shower, but I answered yeah. the phone. You know what I'm saying? So the kids and I are like, I mean, we like, like glue, man. They, they, How are you as a grandpa? What is that oh, like? Man, I love, look, let me tell you something, man. I don't know if anybody. Has that registered? You're a fucking grandpa. I am Bruce, a Bruce. Dad, man. <laughs> let me tell you, man. Grandkids are the best thing in the world. Because my job is to spoil them and let them do what the fuck they want to do. You mm. understand what I'm saying? So my grandkids, they think I'm the coolest in the world. I take them to Disney World every Christmas. We spend Christmas at Disney and um, I, I, I let them see Mickey and the boys and 
and we just have fun. That's what it's all about, man. It's about, Absolutely. It's about taking care of your family, man, and, and just enjoying life. It's mind blowing. You know, you, you sit up and you look back and you look at the things that you truly value and appreciate. And you know, it, it boils down to what you're talking about now. It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. these moments that make it all worth it. It makes everything make sense. It makes sense. And see, I'm from the hood, Kevin. And you know, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm from an area called the bluff. Anybody know about Atlanta, they know about the bluff. A little dude made a little movie, a little movie called snow in the bluff. I know you probably heard of it. I am mm -hmm. from that area. And man, I go through that now very fast because it's no joke. <laughs> Which I was raised there, but but the thing is, man, it's you know when you look back from where you come from and you and you look at how you was raised and your upbringing, everything went on when I was in the bluff. Everything, drugs, everything. But my parents were like, hey, you don't do that, and if you do it, I'm gonna kill you. So yeah. I didn't want to be killed because I knew my mother was an ex-wrestler. I don't know how she learned how to fight, but my mother would beat the hell out of you. You know what I'm saying? So when your parents say you don't do something, you don't do something. And I was around it all the time, but never did. Well, it's good to be around the shit and not be involved in the shit. Right. People that people that have never been around the shit have no idea or understanding of how to stay away from the shit. You can be, you can be right in the shit, but you can also be raised. You can be raised to stay away from it. No, that's not what I do. That's Carl and Jeff. I don't fuck with that shit. Carl and Jeff, they fuck with that shit, but they're my friends. Yeah. But I don't fuck with that. It's, it's, a, it's a synergy that's only understood from people that have grown up in these environments, uh, you know, of, of bad, that, that, that truly know how to navigate and maneuver. So when you tell me that, that you grew up there and that your parents were the way they were, I relate. I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, I mean, everybody knew. I mean, the old school players, they knew. Even when I act up in school, they'll call me when I'm walking down the street. It's coming in and talk to you, man. I was going on. What's this you showing out in school? I'm like, how did this motherfucker know I was showing out in school? You know what I'm saying? So when they take a when they say take a village to raise the kid, it take a village. Everybody knew about everybody, and the old players took care of me. And they they didn't they didn't cuss me out. You know what they did? They reached in their pocket and grabbed a dollar. It's look here now. I want you to. I'm gonna give you this dollar, but I want you to act like you got some sense when you go to school tomorrow. You understand? I said yes, sir. All right then. They give me the dollar. I move on. Next thing, next morning, I'm like this. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the yeah, dollar it comes, made me act it, right. You know, it comes with some understanding, man. Right, it, man. it makes you embrace. It makes you embrace that neighborhood. I mean, look, the neighborhoods build character. That's right. Right. I mean, you 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 stand up as a man you are today because of the character that you were able to develop from where you're from. And and now, you know, even when you're talking about pulling pulling your funny and your funny muscles, where does it come from? Well, it's coming from our our memory of, of where we were. That's what made me a cool grandfather because my grandfather wasn't cool. That brother did not play the radio. You understand? <laughs> we talk about a brother jet black with royal blue eyes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and this brother, when he called, I get scared. Now he's on the other end, on the other side of town. He'll call, you know, back in the day, when you call, they talk real loud. Hello, how you doing out there? They tell me acting crazy. No, sir, you think I was in the Marine Corps. No, sir, I am not acting crazy today. So, you know, I'm the cool grandfather, but my grandfather, they just didn't play, man. A child stay in a child's Mm -hmm. And that's a big thing in the South in general. Oh, that's oh a, my goodness. It's a, it's a oh, big yeah. thing. No in the talking South. back, brother. No, no. It's no frowning up in the South. Yeah, get your shit straight. Oh, you've been in New York so well. Hey, look, mom, I have my rights, mom. <laughs> Say that in the South. <laughs> <laughs> my granddad says, I got the right to whoop your ass right now.
I want to know. I want to know who who has influenced Bruce Bruce, right? You know, as comedians, I think we all have uh, people that we feel like have had some effect on us that have have really liked help uh, shape and mold us into who we are because of their success and their greatness. Who has done that for you? Well, I'm gonna tell you, man. It was my uncle. I talked about him earlier in the in the conversation. My mother and father divorced when I was five. And my uncle stepped in. And the key thing he said, he said, you don't have to worry about your dad. You got old uncle. And that's how he was. My uncle was like 5'2". He was about 88 in the waist. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> he, he looked like an egg with a belt on. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and, but he was my boy, man. I mean, he was a baker. He was one of the, he was a baker. He baked cakes. He taught me how to cook when I was little. He said, I'm gonna teach you something to stick with you for the rest of your life. So my uncle taught me how to cook. He taught me about life. He taught me how to treat women. He taught me how to be respectful. My aunt taught me how to clean up. My other aunt taught me how to wash clothes. So it was always somebody teaching me stuff, but my uncle was the key dude. He said, look, man, you can do what you wanna do. He was very funny and he always tell a lie. And we had to bag the lie up, you know, like he'll tell a lie about something. Like, isn't that right? Yes, sir, that's what he did. He's lying like a mother, you know what I'm saying? But, he was my dude, man, and 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 he was he was the inspiration of my life, man. He kept wow. my courage, and and like I said, he was a funny dude. But when it come to baking cakes and pies and stuff like that, he was the man. His nickname was the Sweet Bread Man. The Sweet Bread Man. Until this yeah. day, are you uh, are you are you like still into the cooking for for the family events? Are you saying yeah, man? I get down with it, Kevin. I can go with it, brother. I'm talking about for real. I can make your steak, make you slap seven white people in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about, scow, 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 scow. We're like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But have you tasted steak? <laughs> have you ever thought about a, a, a cookbook? Have you ever thought about going to the next stage with it? No, just I, do like, wanna, I, wanna do, I, I do want to do a little cooking show, though. You know, just yeah. Do, yeah, do a little cooking show, man, and, and just show them that, that it's fun doing it. And uh, women like when a man can cook. because. I'm a keeper. You, mm -hmm. you know what I mean when I say I'm a keeper? I can do everything. I can I can wash clothes. I can clean up. I can cook. I'm talking about, I'm, I'm, I can do everything. I can feed you, burp you, and put you to sleep. You know what I'm saying? I don't check none of those boxes. I don't check a single fucking box that you just said. I can, I can, I can annoy you. I can fucking annoy you. That's it. That's all. That's, this man said he can cook, clean. He does it all. Bruce, I can't, I can't fucking boil an egg. You talk about your uncle's shape. Like, well, oh I can't, God. I can, I got two dishes under my belt that I can make. I can successfully, I can scramble, I can scramble some eggs and put some cheese in it. Okay. Uh, you know, um, it's, here we go. Look, I'm searching already. It gets thin after that. Look, I can make a mean turkey and cheese sandwich if you oh. ask me to. I can do that. That's 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 right up my alley. Yeah. Anything else? Anything outside of that? Unless it's in that space of like a hot pocket or some shit like that, man. I'm no, I'm no good, man. I'm no good. We had to get together one day, man, and I show you how I can get down with it. Please, please yeah. do, man. I, I I love the fact that you said that you that you still do. There's a world in that. A, a funny fucking talk show, a funny show that you hosting and 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 cooking oh, yeah. dishes. What are you talking about? Cooking with personality? That's huge, huge. Yeah. Yeah. I'd watch it. I'd be there I, for it. I watch it too, man. Yeah, <laughs> I really admire the uh, the Martha and Snoop show. I really I really admire that. I really try to get on it before they the end season ended. But when they start back, I'm gonna try to get on and let them know that I'm. 
I'm no, I'm no good. You're, you're the real deal with it. Oh, you're yeah. the real deal. Yeah. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, let's talk comedy now. Let's talk comedy to date. Uh, I mean, what are you doing? We're, we're about to come out of our pandemic. You know, the world is now getting back to the way that we once knew it. Atlanta has been one place that is, uh, I'm, I'm not sure when uh, Atlanta was was doing what everybody else was doing, but I think Atlanta's been back to normal for quite some time. I don't think Atlanta ever separated. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, you know, we supposed to be six feet apart, but I think they were six inches apart. You know, yeah, yeah. They, they did the Atlanta. Atlanta never got the full breakdown of what was supposed to happen. You know how Atlanta is, man. You know how we talk. He's studying that bullshit. <laughs> We're going to the club, you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna get this PPP loan. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's what so, it was. You know, um, uh, I'm going back on the road doing my thing. We starting out. I'm um, I'm doing some comedy clubs, and then I'm going to hit some theaters. And later in the year, I'm preparing right now to do this new DVD. I got oh, huge, huge! I've been writing um, on this pandemic, doing a lot of funny stuff. Uh, a lot of funny stuff I I hadn't did that was in my path. Like I dated this girl one time with seven toes on each feet. And I'm like, hey, uh, you supposed to be a twin? You need to tell me something. You know? <laughs> How much are your pedicures? You know what I mean? a fucking frog. And then she tried to make it look like it was cool. Like, What's wrong with a bitch? You got seven toes on each feet. This <laughs> <laughs> is there any, is there any like, uh, you know, is there any hesitation about your approach to comedy in today's time with the sensitivity attached to it? Just a question I love to ask the comics now. You know, do you feel like something that's going to affect you? I don't have any. Only thing I've been working on more and to get on more is my social media. Because mm-hmm. if I had social media 30 years ago, I probably would have been like a super duper star. Mm-hmm. So the key mm-hmm. thing is, you know, a lot of people get mad at the comedians, internet comedians. I'm not mad at them. I'm proud of them because mm-hmm. they're winning. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I'm, they're winning. And, and, and if you can't beat them, join them. So mm-hmm. the thing is, get on the bandwagon and start working your social media. So, because that's what it's all about now. A lot of the management and 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 uh, a lot of the uh, agents don't even want to talk to you now unless you got a huge following. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I just been I just been grandfathered in with my agent and my manager, so I have a couple of million followers. But I know comedians now got. 10 million, 20 million, 30 mm-hmm. million, 100 million. And that's what it's all about. Now, that's what it's going to. You know, uh, it's, it's not, innovative. It's, there is nothing that's going to stay the same. You know, with right. time comes change. So you got to be willing to adapt and, 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 and fall in line, whether it's your thing or not. You're in the space of entertainment, right? And in this space of entertainment, there's always new ways to entertain. And I think that Absolutely. this younger generation has just discovered a, a great way into it. So there's there's no room for anger, no room for no. for hate or, or disapproval. It should always be one of, of acceptance and you know, one of support because that's that's ultimately what we should do. We should Absolutely. uplift and amplify one another because it just Absolutely. creates more opportunities uh, for this space that we all play in anyway. Right. Um, Bruce, give me some of your favorite comedians. Give me a top three. 
Okay, um, you want new or old? It doesn't matter. I want your top three. Give me a top like, three comedians. I, I'm gonna tell you, I like Tony Roberts. I think Tony he, Roberts. And I, I'm a very big fan of Tommy Davidson. Mm. I love Tommy Davidson and Kevin Hart. Tommy Davidson, Kevin Hart, my God. Thank you, Bruce. Hey man, I love you guys. Man. Tommy Davidson is um a genius in my eyes. Illin and Philly. Illin and Philly is in my top is in my top five comedy specials of all time. Illin and Philly, Tommy Davidson. Uh, he, it's, it's, he's got a yellow pants and like this crazy colored shirt. When I tell you, Bruce, top five comedy specials of all fucking time. Tommy Davidson's comedy special. It's a half hour. I believe it's a, it, it may be a half hour he did for HBO. I don't even know if it was a full hour, but I'm, I'm right there with you on a, on a Tommy Davidson train. Man, Always been a fan of Tommy. And I, I love his spirit. His attitude. I work with him millions of times, and I watch him. Other comedians I never watch, but when Tommy go, I go out and watch him because his animation and his singing and and, and he's just pure entertainment. <laughs> I mean, he, he might do some country western, you know. Yeah. You know. When I say chicken, you say corn. Chicken, corn, chicken, corn. So you know, how could you not love Tommy Davis? One of the funniest episodes of Martin ever. Tommy oh Davis and Varnell Hill. <laughs> Tommy Davidson is Varnell Hill on a Martin Lawrence show. Martin Lawrence. It's the, the character, the okay. approach to the character, it, everything. Everything about Varnell Hill. I mean, everything that, that, was great. It was all Tommy <laughs> Davidson, too. You, I'm you, telling you, you. You knew that he brought all that stuff to the table. You, you knew that that was all Tommy. He said, when you take the children and put them on your knee, <laughs> you take the children. I mean, he didn't say shit, but it was funny. It was funny. <laughs> to, to my listeners, if you guys do not know what we're talking about, man, we're talking about Martin Lawrence's show, Martin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tommy Davidson, of course, is a, a comedian, comedy legend, man, and his guest starring role on the show. He played a character named Varnell Hill, and yeah. Varnell Hill was just a star. He had a late-night yeah. talk show, and yeah. he was just a guy that had a lot going on, and Martin wanted to be him. Martin wanted to, he wanted to be embraced by him. And when I tell you the two of them, in this episode, man, it is one of the funniest things that I've ever seen to date. We say, I got to get you down, man. You got to come down to the lake, man. Oh, my yeah. God. We got fish. Catfish are delicious. Yeah, the catfish are delicious, man. <laughs> and the yams. Yeah. He said, you have yams? He said, they're imported from New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, man. I get, I get my yams imported from New Orleans, man. You got to come down, man. You got to get the yams, man. <laughs> it's just everything about it. Uh, I love it. I love the top three. So right now, touring, after the tour, you say, okay, you're going out. You want to put a special down. Um, you know, what's the world of Bruce Bruce like? Is Bruce Bruce going to ride this comedy train out forever? Is there a retirement uh, on the horizon? What I don't, do don't want to retire right now. Give me another 40 years, I retire. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I enjoy this life so much. I like to do more movies, and I, I want to do some 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 real funny roles. You know, not mm-hmm. a lot of time to give my movies do these serious roles and I don't want to do anything serious right now. I just want to be funny and silly and stupid. You know, I like to, <laughs> I, I do. I, I like to do a movie with a white cop and, and I'm the black cop or and I he, he go to my church and I go to his church, you know, and my church is straight holiness, holy dance, and his church is sweet. I'm like, what the fuck is going on in here? You know, so it, it'll be a great scene. Um uh, let me let me use let me example. Larry the cable guy would be perfect. 
mm-hmm. to do this. You know, love Larry. Uh, yeah, I love Larry too. I did a movie with him called Health Inspector, and um, mm-hmm. I played Big Shug, and he was a great guy to work with, man. And and the key the key thing about this business, man, is knowing each other and 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 enjoying each other and good being around each other because there's a lot of people just don't like each other. Yeah. So, and yeah. I kind of like everybody, but you know, I enjoy being around Larry. He was funny. And then, you know, it was funny. He'd, he'd, he'd get out of character and say, hey, man, what's going on? He don't talk like that. And I say, man, you don't talk like that. He said, isn't that stupid? They love that. Isn't that stupid? <laughs> so, I mean, he's got rich doing it. And and my man is good. He's a good dude. He's, he's got a great podcast dude. as well. Yeah, yeah Larry, Larry's yeah. a great dude, man. And, and crazy success that he and uh, the rest of the blue collar guys have had. I love that they, you know, they found a lane and they knocked that lane out. They the knocked it out, man. I don't know if you remember this, Kevin. The last time you and I talked in person, you was in L.A. You had a Ford Explorer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what and, I and, yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, and you and you Ford Explorer Sport. To yes, be correct. Yes. I mean, and I can't remember the color. I think it was green because you know I'm a car guy. <laughs> okay. And um, you said. Uh, you saw me he said, Bruce, what's up, man? I said, what's going on, man? You had just did the Lab Factory in uh, LA, on, on LA. You ripped it. You you ripped it. You did this joke about you don't like when girls kiss with their eyes open. Yeah. They look like they're stealing. And yeah. then I thought that was brilliant. And then <laughs> end up seeing you like two days later and you said, man, a lot of things going to happen for me and everything. And I say, man, I hope it does. Keep doing it. It's going to pop for you. And I think that next year it just popped. Dude, you, you've never been nothing outside of positive. Oh man, that's you're, why I have to be here. You are a you are a positive guy and your spirit matches what you do. You know, and as as comedians, a lot of us get merged into that conversation of dark. You know, there's a lot of us that get merged to the conversation of, yeah, I mean, they're funny guys, but there'd be a lot of shit going on with some of them. Some some mean motherfuckers, man. Like a lot of these comics, they go out there and you'll find them just looking down and staring at a wall. You know, we're 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 a very complex group of of people. And and when you meet the the side of us that are just all around good energy, good vibes, you know, it's something that you hold on to because it's 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 rare now, especially in today's time because it's so competitive for whatever reason it's so fucking competitive there's this crab in a barrel mentality that that we hold on to that i don't feel like we need but you have never been one to embrace that like you've just been a good dude man you've been a good fucking dude it got to man i mean you you no matter what you do in life you got to put god first a lot of people say that but they don't do it and you got to put him first man and because when I started this business, it was comedian. I hated my guts. They didn't even know me. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, who is this fat motherfucker? I say, I'm a fat motherfucker. It's getting ready to rip your stage. <laughs> and then, you know, I, 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 I get a little cocky with him. I walk in the comedy club. I say, have you been up yet? He's like, no. I say, I'm going up. You might as well go home. You know, I, I say stuff like that. <laughs> you fat motherfucker. That may be true, but I'm funny, bitch. Yeah, yeah. You never Yeah, so I, I did that just to pick on him, man. Listen, but, I... I want to say, man, right right now there's a unknown thing, and I got to ask you, you know, okay. I, I heard your kids' ages. I, mm-hmm. I've, I now know you've been doing comedy for 35 years. Yeah. How old is Bruce Bruce? How, do, how old are you? Well, I tell you about I'm 43, and they look mm-hmm. at me like I'm crazy because my son is 40, mm-hmm. and um, but I'm 59 years old. Get the fuck out of here, Bruce. Yeah, man. 59 years yes, old. Sir. Yes, sir. You look sir. good, man. Hey, man, I feel good, man. Bruce, you, you know, you know good, man. I, I work out, you know, you probably don't believe it. People are like, you work out? I'm like, yes, I do. You know, it's not with a fork. You know what I'm saying? 
But the thing is, I get, I got a personal trainer, man, and we work out and I just things I don't like about trainers, they always like give me 10 more. And I'm like, yeah. get down and get them. What the fuck? Like, give you 10 more. You know, you give me 10 more. But um I make it I make it funny. Um I, I have fun. Um and that's why I try to encourage all the big people in the gym, you know. I know it's it's hard, but just have fun with it. Yeah. And if you have fun with it, it, it'll make the whole day go right. And then it encourage you to come back the next day. Yeah, I was you gonna know, say, you Bruce, know, you so, definitely lost weight. Like yeah, man. Weight. I you know, I've lost over hundred pounds, but yes, the kid, I, I be in the gym fucking with everybody. I'm talking about male, female, I don't care, you know, but I keep it funny and they and they're laughing and they're having fun and they, they can't wait to come the next day to see me again. And then they're they're like, Bruce Bruce is in the gym. You know, they, they can't believe that I'm in the gym, Bruce Bruce. And I'm like, yeah, I'm here. Let's do it. So when my trainer, he got tough skin. He's a good dude, man. And um, he's really been helping me out a lot, man. And I'm pretty well, happy. I gotta say, before we get ready to go or, or or wrap up, man, like you don't you don't just speed past what you said, right? Like let's right. let's make sure that we take a, a a hard stop at that stop sign. Like, dude, right. you've lost over a hundred pounds. That's have, that's not an easy feat. That is a no. that is one that should be celebrated. That's an amazing one, and you've embraced a different lifestyle. You've embraced a healthier lifestyle. You fifty nine. Yeah, man. Like, and, and, we... I, and I lost a whole person. What do you mean? <laughs> so you lost a hundred pounds. I mean, I lost a whole person. It's people with a hundred pounds. <laughs> you get you get an Asian dude. I weigh ninety seven pounds. I lost a whole person. <laughs> I I can say I can say, man, it's 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 rare. Uh, it's rare to come across a you. Um, and this is just with anybody, man. Like you, you should understand when I say, when I say you, I'm just talking about the level of good energy, the level of constant positivity, you know, your, your weight loss and, and your battle with yourself, with, with you at your heaviest to now you were your happiest. That's something that was, was something that you embarked on, but you've never not been good energy. You've never not been okay. And I think that says a lot. That says a lot about you as a person and you constantly have an output of good it's just a good light it's a good piece of sunshine man and and that for me that's bigger than anything good energy is bigger than anything because that means that you're doing your job of being a contagious spirit of good and people are going to grab that and hold on to it man and that's that's dope as fuck from from your journey in comedy to goddamn it your journey in life your uphill battles that became your biggest wins it 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 all falls in line the way it's supposed to and when i can talk to a a, a fellow brother of comedy that's 59 years old 34 35 years in the game like man, that's that's uplifting. That's inspired. It's inspiration, and and it just shows how powerful our world of funny is. That's what I love the most, man. And you're you're a true example of that, dude. I love you to death for it. Uh, forever a friend, first and foremost. Uh, more importantly, I'm a fan. I'm a, I'm a fucking fan, Bruce, and that's why I wanted to have you on, man. Give the world a dose of what they may or may not know, and that's goddamn Bruce, Bruce, dude. Fucking Bruce, Bruce. Yes, sir. 59, you just blew me away.
59. Motherfuckers sitting here looking looking 42. I'm over here with a goddamn old. I don't know what you're using. I don't know what the fuck cream you're using on your face. I don't know what's happening. But if you don't goddamn send the recipe or if you don't send the concoction, I, I got a I got a crazy downslide coming, brother. If this is where I'm at, and that's where you at, I'm I'm on my way. I'm on my way bad, brother. This is this ain't good, man. Yeah, man. I love you, Bruce. I hey, man, I love you back. But let me say something to you, man. Go ahead. Um, I'm proud of you. Uh, your journey has been uh, very successful. Uh, you, I'm a fan of yours. I watch everything you do. It's funny. It's super funny. And just keep doing it, man. Stay Thank on your you. path. Have tunnel vision when it comes to your career. Because if you listen to anything outside, you'll get off track. So keep tunnel vision when it comes to your career. And, and and stay positive, man. And we'll see you at the top. Man, listen, I, I appreciate you. I thank you. And genuinely, I love you, man. I love, love you. Man. Goddamn grandpop and all. Dude, I just love that you're sitting on the happier side of life. You deserve that plus more. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Comedy Gold Mines. And oh my God, when we talk to comedians, what do we find? Well, we find that these minds are not just minds. They're amazing minds. And today was no different. What an amazing mind this was. Ladies and gentlemen, Bruce Bruce. Comedy Gold Mines is a serious XM and LOL audio production. Executive produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, and Eric Weil. With Tastemakers Media, Emil Garner, and Ian McDonald. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30.